Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie with our weekly podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. You had a great week and that you're connecting your head with your heart and you're communicating the way you should be. I hope these are very educational and enjoyable for you so that we leave these each time learning something, understanding better, and improving the quality of our lives as people and the lives that we help our children build so that we give them the building blocks psychologically and physically to be able to have a good life. So if there's any feedback you have for me, I'm ready to hear it. I'd like to hear it. Voicemail, email, one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. So this week we have a really interesting guest and we have a great topic, one that is very prevalent because of many things going on in the world today, but particularly because of some recent events of a very traumatic scale. And, and our topic this week is actually on post-traumatic stress disorder in general, not specifically for children or adults, but really just post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. And I think many people feel and they don't understand necessarily that it's something that any one of us can suffer from. It's not something that well, I went to war and now I'm a vet and I saw some bad stuff and I have this disorder. It can happen to anybody and we're going to learn a lot about that today and who it can happen to, what are the signs, how do you treat it, and is there any light at the end of that tunnel? Do some of those things, those annoying symptoms that, that pop up and derail us from our life ever get out of the way? So we're going to learn about that. We're going to learn about what to do, when to do it, what are the warning signs, and what do you do if you have somebody that you love who you know is suffering from something, and it might be this, and, and how do you tell them or how do you get them help? So come on back, one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. We have a great guest with us today who's going to help guide this conversation. Joining me today is Marla Handy. She is a woman who is a BS from, she got her BS at Grand Valley State University, MS from Johns Hopkins and PhD from Case Western. She is retired from teaching, but has a lot, a lot, a lot of experience, public, private experience. And that's really the best way to really formulate your career and really be able to then take those lessons learned and help us change and shape the world. So we're going to learn a lot from her today. And we're going to be specifically talking to Marla about PTSD. Marla, are you with me? Yes, I am. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate it. So Tell me a little bit about you, and then we'll jump into some PTSD and take some callers and let you get on with your life. Well, thank you. Um, well, I am a uh, professional. I've been a teacher. I've been a consultant working with nonprofit organizations and community development um, organizations for decades and uh, have, in fact, have PTSD myself, um, which was not uh, diagnosed until probably about uh, eight years ago now, um, and I have been doing some education and work in this field, including uh, writing a book called uh, No Comfort Zone, uh, Notes on Living with Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, um, and uh, doing some work with some trauma-related organizations such as Gift From Within to try to do some education in this area. Very nice. And why that area? Because I actually was have had PTSD for most of my life, yeah. and it was not diagnosed uh, as, as early as it could have been. And my uh, treatment options and sort of getting on a good track uh, didn't really come into focus until I had an appropriate diagnosis. Ah, got it. And 
Early diagnosis is key then? Yes, it is. Okay. It is. So why, why else are you, I mean, that's a huge reason to be into this. Yes. Well, I think part of, uh, it, it's encouraging that. The other part of this is to try to help reduce some of the stigma associated with PTSD and related orders. Um, there are, uh, the people who are most visible who have PTSD are those who have somehow brought attention to themselves by having problems in public or private spheres. And so I think that adds to the stigma. So um, tell, and in, tell me more about that. Like, like, give me an example of those kinds of people. Well, certainly there have been uh, very unfortunate news events recently in terms of um, veterans coming home and from the war and having, you know, perhaps having violent reactions because they have been triggered and they respond with the exact same uh, uh, emotional, physical responses um, that they did in a war zone, which was very appropriate in a war zone, is pretty seriously uh, ingrained, if you will, in terms of a response at this point. It's not appropriate when you're with your family, if you're on a bus and you see something that reminds you of something that would be a warning um, that you may be hitting a, a, a landmine. Right. So, um, it, it's, it, so there have been sometimes violent um, episodes, and that's been probably more common uh, in terms of those who were trained uh, to respond to unsafe situations um, defensively. Uh, physically and or using a weapon. You feel, though, that this early intervention, breaking the stigma, because anybody could have this. Yes, anybody and, could have it. And so and, when, when you say anybody, like, what kinds of, like, what's the minimal thing that you would say could cause it? Like, some people are going to sit here and they're or listen in and they're going to say, well, does that mean if I have a car accident on the way to the grocery store, or does that mean if there's an earthquake? You know, the magnitudes of those things. The magnitudes of those. Well, interestingly enough, there are people who have gotten PTSD from having a car accident. Um, I don't know where they were driving to the grocery store or not. But the um, extent of the trauma, fear for one's life, um, the reaction from that, I, I, I have known people who were... Um, who became quadriplegics as a result of accidents and there was delayed um, responses. Um, it might be very difficult for someone to uh, drive a car after that. Um, but that alone is not the definition of, of PTSD uh, in terms of, um, you know, I was in a car accident, now it's hard for me to drive. There are actually um, three general clusters of, of symptoms that need to be present and long-standing enough that they actually interfere with your life. So it is not as much, I mean, at one point it was defined as it had to be an event that was serious enough to uh, have one believe that one was going to die at that moment. And um, certainly a car accident could do that for some people. Um, But it's more a matter of what the response is. And those areas or the types of responses um, that people have or these clusters of symptoms mm-hmm. um, are, uh, the first one tends to be sort of the um, intrusive or unwanted thoughts. And these can be the flashbacks. And which, they're, they're thoughts of the thing happening again or? Yes. 
in general, yes. It's it's a almost a re-experiencing, right? Or a um, and sometimes it can be a flashback. Where and again, this is probably the most dramatic and most commonly known um, symptom of it when someone actually believes that they are back in the setting ah. that caused the problem. I think a key uh, point to be made here is that a flashback um, is not being is not crazy. It's a memory. Whereas even though the bomb may not be going off in front of you in your living room when you're right. having the flashback, in fact, that is a memory of something that did happen, as opposed to a break with reality right, when right, one right. is coming up with something that has not happened. Right. It's so, not a psychotic break, actually. It, no, this no. is really just you re-experiencing something that actually did happen in your memories. Yes. All right. Yes. Hang, can, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, certainly. I was just going to uh, continue some in terms of talking. I do um, in terms of that sometimes the intrusive thoughts or unwanted things are also less dramatic than that. And, I mean, sometimes it's nightmares. There may be triggers, a smell or something, which may also bring back um, memories or have one um, consistently think Got it. about the event. All right. Before we go any further, can we take a call from a caller in? Okay, hold on one sec. Rebecca? Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. You're on with myself and Dr. Marla Handy. She's a PTSD expert. Oh, perfect. Well, I have a couple of questions. Good. One is, does it ever go away? Good question. Yeah, that's a (laughs) great question. Um, I think that it sort of depends on what you define as going away. Um, It certainly... um, for some people, the uh, symptoms um, with proper treatment um, certainly diminish, and you're able to, you know, live your life without that intrusion. Um, but if something happens to you, the fact is, it is a, a fact of life. Also, I mean, that is something that, to some degree, you need to be able to incorporate into. I would say your life story in a way that is not going to be causing these symptoms. So what some experiences or uh, how this plays out for some people is certainly that it can, um, quote, seem to go away, settle, calm down, um, and and living your, your life. But I tend to think of PTSD as something that, um, I mean, if you have chronic PTSD, meaning it's not, it's lasted longer than that initial month or so after an incident, it's maybe something like a fault line. And you're, you're, you can do fine as long as perhaps there's not too much stress placed on it. And so I tend to view it almost as a, um, a condition to be monitored, perhaps not, you know, that you need to be self-aware you need to know what your own reactions are. Um, it's not like you're going to put yourself in a bubble, but you need to be conscious that, okay, there may be some things that if I get a little overloaded, some of these may, may come back. Um, for some people, they, they, they don't, but for others, they do, and just being conscious of that um, can help you live your life in the way that you want to, but it doesn't mean that the trauma has and the memories of the trauma have been erased. So it's always going to be there on some level, maybe, and yes. just to be aware. And do you then nip it in the bud? 
in terms of um, Sym- having it, the symptoms, the symptoms reemerge. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I, and I, I certainly believe that if people learn um, tools to manage some of these things, that they'll know, and they may know that, you know, this is starting to um, be more disruptive, I'm not sleeping again, um, I have nightmares again, that that might be the, the time that it's beyond one's self-management tools that you've learned. And you, you know, may want to see a professional again and say, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm needing some help right now. Right, and then do something about it. And do something about it, and but, yeah. The, the, as far as I'm concerned, the point here is to um, be able to live your life as fully as as you can and, and, and you want to, but you need to accommodate perhaps parts of your life that you would prefer not to have been there. Right. And, and, the, yeah. and the bottom line is you just have to reach out for help, but you have to have gotten enough help in the beginning to know that, what your warning signs are, what your triggers are, and when to reach out for help, correct? Yes. I think there's, a, there's an element of being able to recognize the, um, your own reactions. What are things that happen to be triggers? Are there areas that you, know, you um, tend to react with a higher stress level? And this, is, and this is the balancing act, I want to say, with PTSD, because there are things where, uh, situations where you may be vulnerable. So right. the question is, uh, do, do you continue to work to do something in terms of uh, continued re-exposure to try to continually lower one's vulnerability? Or do you balance this out with saying, you know, maybe, you know, we always say get back on the horse after fall. Maybe you, you really do want to just give up horseback riding, and it's not going to take that much away from your life. And what it would take for you to <laughs> get, get back on that horse um, may not may not be worth it, and you know. But that's the balancing act between what would that take from your life, your family life, your relationships, and how are you going to, um, you know, move forward as best you can um, while bringing your your past with you because you you have it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, what do you think, Rebecca? I mean, do you find yourself in any of that situation? Yeah, I just, you know, I'm troubled by, like, other people's diagnosis of PTSD and how their, you know, symptoms are and how mine are, and they're just, like, so completely different. And and you, so... Tell me more. What do you mean? Well, like, I, I have a friend who's been diagnosed with PTSD, and I hear at least five times a day she's got PTSD. And she is a person who thrives on chaos. She's got to have loud music, lots of people around her, you know, something music and nightclubs. And I would literally, I would go into a panic attack. Like, I can't have the radio up too loud and the kids talking to me at the same time or I go overboard. I definitely don't like large crowds. I don't like people in my personal space. Like, we're so completely opposite. And to the point that I'm, it's almost offensive to me because I'm like, I just don't know, you know, like, do people have that opposite of, of, <laughs> of reactions? Well, yeah, like yeah. I could never in a million, like if I go see an action movie, forget it. I can't sleep. I have nightmares for days. And, and they're like seriously waking up in the middle of the night, sweats, nightmares. I just can't do it. I'm not there. So that's a, re- and, that's a re-triggering of your stuff. Right, but I don't. Do people have that opposite? Like, can well, can someone who just thrives on that much, just like chaos and loud music, and you know, I, I can't be around like people who've you know been 
drinking a lot. That's, and like, mm-hmm. I, that's such a great question because really, um, Dr. Handy, can somebody have, you know, be triggered by that kind of stuff and then somebody really not be triggered by that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Um, part of what um, you're, what, how I would interpret what you're describing, uh, Rebecca, is that it, um, it's too easy to become overstimulated it, and, and too much noise and such. And For I, Rebecca, you mean? I'm sorry. Yes, mean, Rebecca, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we're, we're talking. And then there's the memory issues associated with <laughs> so, it. Right. Um, so that's, yes, yeah, so there's, um, there's that com- uh, component, and it, and it sounds like you know some of the things that you need to do to just, you know, buffer yourself. You know, I, I don't go to action movies either. I mean, it's that, you know, those sorts of things. It's just not worth it to me. Um, there are a couple of things, and obviously I don't know your friend and I'm not in a situation to necessarily define what's going on with her, but there are, are a couple of possibilities that I could see of, of how she could be living her life in such a completely opposite manner as, as yours and, and still have PTSD. Um, one of them is that uh, sometimes people do almost a... Sometimes people deal with the level of anxiety of it by doing almost what's considered to be a counterphobic activity of pushing themselves to be in those situations that otherwise would be anxiety-producing. So like flood themselves. Yes, yes. Um, In another way that um, some people do this is it may be um, an expression of another cluster of symptoms, which has to do with sort of... Interestingly enough, it's sort of the numbing um, avoidance and what you were describing about avoiding crowds and such is a pretty classic way with that. But some people also avoid the, the, the feelings associated with the trauma by being extremely busy right. and keeping themselves yeah. going at all times. And it's a way of sort of uh, living on, um, intensely at one level Right. Which is a buffer for those other levels. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's exactly what she does. Okay. So she she goes to the other extreme to really, like, she thinks she's going to treat herself by flooding herself and overwhelming herself and numbing herself. Very much so, yeah. I mean, we're just totally opposites. And, I mean, I do know that she experienced trauma, and I'm not doubting that. It's just we're so completely different in our symptoms that I'm like, wait a second, she misdiagnosed or am I misdiagnosed or is this the same thing? Right. Right. And it, this is confusing because people act, it is in some ways so individual to both the, to the person and to the trauma that people with the same diagnosis can end up having um, very different symptoms. Yeah, it's really interesting because how everybody deals with it. And I wonder if that other person you're talking about has had treatment and really got guided or this is just self-guided treatment. Uh, you know, I get the feeling that just this person doesn't really want... Help. If, if someone's in, yeah, I just don't think that that person's ready for, like, reality. So yeah. I think that's is the reason for all of the other behaviors. So yeah. but this is like... that. It's good stuff. Thanks for Thank you answering very much. that so well. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if, if I could actually uh, make a comment about the being ready for, um, I, I think it's important for people to be ready for um, facing um, their traumas in the increments that they're able to do that. Right, that they're comfortable. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and, 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 and trusting and such. Um, and this is one of the ways in which PTSD is different from, I think, what a lot of the common wisdom is. Oh, you have all these feelings, you know, um, uh, built up inside, and all you need to do is express them and release them, and you'll be fine. Um, and in fact, with PTSD, it's not so much that they're um, tampered down. In some ways, it's almost you're, you're hyper aware of them. Right. And right. the the push that is sometimes done is all you have to do is you know go back there, face your fears. Um, can in fact re-traumatize someone, and unless the individual is ready, meaning has coping mechanisms to go to a certain level of fear or trauma yeah. and bring themselves back again, and then do that a little bit more and bring themselves back, just immersing themselves in all of that feeling uh, may well make them much worse. See, that does, is that, does that make sense? In terms of the, when one needs to, let put it this way, just being pushed into the deep end of the pool of your, your trauma and feelings doesn't necessarily mean somebody's going to learn to swim. Um, exactly. That's so true. Right. That's so true. <laughs> right. Right. Interesting. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, and everybody takes it at their own pace, and everybody has to kind of understand that this, just, this stuff is deeper than what they probably even begin to imagine on the surface. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly deeper than you might be able, I mean, sometimes the individual with PTSD doesn't really understand that it's deeper than <laughs> what's on the surface. Uh, that's and, right, right. And certainly those around them who may, I mean, let's be honest, becoming a little impatient, <laughs> you know, uh, right. you know and, and that message of can't you just get over this right, um, exactly. comes through also. Yeah, what's the big um, deal about this, right? It's far more complex than that. Oh, much more. It's, it's minimized because I think it's uncomfortable for people. I, I agree. And yeah. one of the, the messages, and this ha I think this has to do with the, the stigma component of it, but one of the messages that I feel very strongly about and, and have stated is there is a sense of isolation that comes with having PTSD. But I don't believe that isolation is generated entirely on the part of the person who has PTSD. It's true that uh, we may do things like um, avoid crowds or sometimes want to be by ourselves and those things that might limit social contact and maybe not always in helpful ways, but I don't believe that's the sole source of that sense of yeah, isolation. Yeah, I, I agree. Because I, I think recognizing that um, there are ugly things that happen in the world yep. and that in fact, some people may be learning to live in a continuous state of injury that's being managed. Um, is is not the neat, um, happy ending exactly. that a lot of people would like to see. Exactly, right. it's so amazing. Yeah, because I think that's really important to say and people to understand that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it just my the, the book that I, I wrote is, is no comfort zone and it was in general referring to those of us with PTSD not necessarily having that comfort zone and it's not the same as generally said if you're going to achieve something then you need to break out of your comfort zone you right, right. Right. Somehow, right. somehow a comfort zone is a uh, safe um, yes. default <laughs> yep. and, and in fact if you have PTSD there's often no comfort zone um, but it's also that for those who don't have PTSD, I think they often need to break out of their comfort zone and 
um, maybe experience some of the discomfort of recognizing what is truly involved with this. Yeah, absolutely, and learning how to manage some of that so they mm-hmm. gain their own tools. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome. I Thank you for you calling in. Take Great. care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Interesting call. Yes. Good, good question. All right. You want to do another one? Sure. Lexi, you with us? You're on with myself and Dr. Handy, and she is a post-traumatic stress disorder expert. What's your question? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, about a month and a half ago, I witnessed a very traumatic event, and ever since then, I haven't really talked to anyone about it. I've kind of kept it to myself, and I don't really, I've never really felt the same, like, since. I don't really have fun anymore with my friends, and I'd rather not hang out. I'd rather just kind of alone and just like isolate yeah. yourself yes ah. definitely i mean but when i do go out with my friends like i don't i try not to interact and i try not to like talk anymore because i just feel like i feel like everything i say or do is like i guess wrong or somehow i'm just gonna mess up and so you so know, you've I, lost a lot of confidence also definitely and I'm, I'm scared someone's gonna i don't know know what happened or or figure it out or something like that. And I just, I don't know how to fix it. I feel like there's like nothing left. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Okay. Have you actually um, talked with anybody about this at all? Have you had uh, found a counselor or a therapist associated at all? Or have you been dealing with this completely by yourself? Well, it's more by myself. I haven't really been able to tell anyone. I have a therapist. I just, I don't really know if it's the right thing to say because I know if, if I do, then it's getting people in trouble besides just me. Okay. Well, what I would like you to know is that you're, you're in sort of this window of opportunity where getting some, um, uh, some treatment and being able to express this and bring it out is, is likely to help you avoid having this or, or, or diminish the odds of this becoming a chronic state for you, right? Mm-hmm. And um, right. and I think it's very important that you you do this, um, that you you talk with someone. And I I don't know what type of of trauma it was associated, um, but I would hope that you could talk to your therapist if it was associated with um, other types of in, interpersonal things in terms of domestic violence or sexual assault. Um, there are also organizations that are, are are trained to work with people sort of fresh from those experiences, too, and would have um, familiarity with that. And d- um, Dr. Handy, wouldn't you say, though, the sooner she gets this kind of a yes, thing going, yes. the better, because you Absolutely. don't want her to live, start living her life managing around this, and that Correct. becomes the way she handles her life. Correct. And in, in general, the, the sooner that you can can start working on this and integrating this, the better for you. And I, I'm not sure how, <laughs> I'm not sure how strongly to get that across for you. I mean, it's like it, it's I'm I'm sorry that you've had this experience to, to begin with. But the, but you got to deal with it. But you have to deal with it, and um, I'm not sure that protecting others um, is from whatever problems they might have. Um, you need to think about yourself, too. Yeah, and you're not really helping them either, Lexi, because right. they have an issue, obviously, that needs help, too. So I think all around you'd be helping everybody to jump in by helping yourself. Can you do yeah. that? I think you should. So if you need some I, help, uh, 
I mean, just you got to ask. I understand. It's hard, though, when you're when like, you know, I don't know. I think it's sometimes I think it's best if I don't talk about it. And then if I do, I think things are just going to get worse. And I'm already but I don't even want to, like, remember the event. I kind of just want to block it out and move on. Of course, of course you don't. And that's actually a very common response. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to remember. Maybe if I work hard enough, I can just rewind that tape in my mind to about five minutes before this happened, and I can go back to that. Right, and you can't. You can't, because it is there. And um, I, I just want to tell you that I, I truly understand the feeling of, I, I just, I don't want to deal with this. I just, and that's mm-hmm. that avoidant component. However, you will be dealing with it. You are dealing with right, it Right, absolutely. And um, the thing is that you want to deal with it in ways that will allow you to live in a way that you want to live. Yeah, and, give, give you yeah. tools. Yes. Because it happened, you can't run away from it, you can't rewind, erase. You need the tools so that life quality is better. Otherwise, you, your life is yeah. going to be dictated by this whole event, and it takes power from you. So. And, and yeah. I... I don't want to sound like a cliche, but, and you really deserve it. You deserve to not have that, those, those, those choices and those freedoms taken away from you. Whatever happened during the trauma is one thing, but to have the um, aftermath of it cost you so much in the yeah. quality of your life is just too much. Not, it's way too much. Yeah, I mean, Lexi, it's going to own you. So not to sound like a cliche, even though we do, You've got to reach out and you've got to get some help. So, um, yeah. you know, I can't, we both can't push that further for you. So if you need a resource, let us know. But really, do it in private. Do it where you're safe emotionally. And you will see that the freedom and power that comes from that is unbelievable. And I can personally attest to that, okay? Good. <laughs> Thank so. you so much. You're welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Lex. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. We're okay. here if you need us. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I mean, that was interesting because I'm sure many people do exactly what you described, which is I want to re- rewind that tape five minutes before it didn't happen. Life is much better. Yes, and I think that there's, a, there's also sometimes a, I want to say that there may be some part of it that also ends up being a mourning in that it's like I want life to be like it was. Life will never be the same. Right. And, in fact, no, it won't be the same. That doesn't mean that it won't be equally good, right. but it will be different. Right. And you, you, know, you need to be able to have the, the tools in order to do that for yourself. Exactly. And, um, and you know, un- unfortunately, I mean, part of what uh, Lexi was describing is, is very much um, sort of that second cluster of the sort of numbing right. and right. avoidant, because even when she wasn't um, avoiding going out or being disinterested in that, her feelings in those settings were not the same. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's do a voicemail. Dr. Sophie, it's Dylan. I was wondering if there are any preventive measures that someone could take in order to kind of prepare their body and mind for a traumatic event and hopefully um, decrease the chances that they will suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. Thank you so much. That's an interesting question. Boy, I'm not aware of any. I, I just I need to say that I there is some of the research shows that there may be some people who are more resistant to having lasting. Now, one point I want to make is is that having a um, post-traumatic stress response 
is pretty normal for every. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're supposed to respond to your life. Uh, yes, it's it, that's part of being alive. It's the um, in what they the brain science now believes is that there's a certain amount of um, changes that right. can happen that some people end up with uh, lasting symptoms and not right. moving out of them. So I'm not aware. Perhaps you are, but I'm not aware of anything that well, is necessarily going to keep you from being able to respond other than doing numbing, right, which is, right. is not um, the healthiest. It's not the healthiest, and right. in fact, um, you're, you're still going to be responding. It's just that you're, it's going to be later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just building up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the only thing you can do is like what you would tell anybody to be mentally fit, keep yourself together, and have as many tools connecting your head, your heart, knowing who you are, so that if you do get hit with a trauma, it falls on a foundation that is really well built so that the aftermath and the ripple effect is not as overwhelming. I, I agree. I, the, the one hesitation I might have on that is that um, I would hate to have anybody end up having PTSD and think, well, gee, if I'd been healthier to begin with, it right. wouldn't have had it. Right. Because, in fact, this is a matter of, like, what happens to you. Yeah, you're going to have it. It's yeah. just make it, fo yeah, <laughs> it's got to fall on the healthiest and solid, most fo solid foundation you can make. And that's mm -hmm. all you can do because it's going to happen. And, and, and I think that another component of this is um, being educated about what the, the signs and symptoms are. Exactly. So that you recognize them if you're having it. Because, again, if you're trying to avoid not only what it thinking about what had happened in terms of the trauma, you may well be trying to avoid recognizing any of those symptoms in yes. yourself. So, um, right. Prevention is really wound up in good, solid building, everyday healthy living, and really education and understanding what it is. And that was my next question to you before I let you go, <laughs> is where would people find out the specifics or the criteria or the way that this profession goes about diagnosing PTSD? Well, there is um, there are many uh, resources um, online now, which uh, is maybe the easiest way for people to I want to say browse. And, right. And unfortunately, there are as many resources as there are because there are so many people coming back from wars right now that have right. PTSD. Um, the National Center for PTSD um, is is a good one. There's an uh, organization called Gift from Within. Ah. Um, and uh, which has an, a number of um, sort of mini webcasts with um, uh, Frank Ockberg, who was actually one of the uh, on the original committee that did the original diagnostic criteria um, for PTSD. And um, they're and they're organized in, in terms of answering um, sort of questions and, and how in different settings. And so those would be really wonderful places to, to start. And one of the reasons why I like these um, and, and such is that they are also short. And I, it, this comes to sort of a, a third cluster um, in symptoms that I, I didn't explicitly talk about, but I, I think it's important to have here because it can influence what sorts of resources people can access. And that third cluster has to do with sort of hyper-arousal right. and sort of always being on edge, can't yeah. quite, uh, re, um, you know, relax. Yeah, you're hyper-alert. Hyper-alert. But one of the, um, you know, evidences of that is also having an inability to concentrate. And so 
if you go and get a, a, a textbook on PTSD that's really thick and um, academic, you're probably not going to be able to get what you want out of that. And so finding sources of information that present it in, um, for lack of a better, <laughs> sort of bite-sized nuggets, right. so that you can take it, okay, and, and kind of absorb that and then go back and do more, may be uh, a, a better way to do it without feeling like somehow, well, gee, I used to be able to read stuff like this, and some, you know, it's not making any sense to me. I'm getting through one paragraph, and I have to reread it. So, you know, don't beat yourself up if you're having a hard time concentrating. Efforts been made to try to make this information as accessible as possible. Exactly. And so where else can we find more information about you and, and the work you've done in your book? Uh, probably the easiest place in terms of the book and, and is, on Amazon, and um, there's a, a bio for me there. Okay. And um, there is a, a website, um, which is the, the um, MacasaPress.com. Okay. Um, and there are uh, many of the, the reviews there. Um, so, um, and I, I do want to say that the, the book itself is, is, as I told you early in this conversation, I do have PTSD. Um, it's stems primarily from childhood experiences, but then I was also assaulted in my early Ooh. 20s, so there was another level of that, uh. um, which, again, was not clearly diagnosed until I, I, was, I was much older. It was much... So this, the book is sort of my story yeah. of how I experienced the symptoms of PTSD currently. So it's not so much a memoir as these things happened. This is how... I experience these symptoms in a day-to-day -day life, and some of them, this is, this is what I do to, to manage it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's very powerful when someone in the profession is able to relate their own personal experiences to others to make it more comfortable and safe to come out and, and talk about it. And I think, like Lexi was saying earlier on this, in this conversation, she's afraid to reach out. And so yep. read, maybe reading your book will help her understand that, you know, you were probably afraid to reach out too, but you did. And look at what you've done for yourself and for the rest of the world. Thank you. And I'm um, again. I will say there was a there was a risk, as anybody who does these sorts of things would know, in terms of doing that and, and putting it out there. But um, given the response that I've had from uh, other people who also have PTSD who were able to respond, um, I'm very pleased that I did. And I, I want to. Thank them for that reinforcement, too, because, yep. in fact, we're not alone. Absolutely, and I want to thank you, too, for having the guts to come out and then to be able to do the work that you've done. It's empowered you in great ways. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, and enjoy your day. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, great conversation on PTSD. Dr. Marla Handy, some good calls, good voicemail, and really educated us to really what I'm sure most people would want to ask about PTSD fears of getting help, trying to ignore it. Will it go away? Is it in different forms? How come my girlfriend who says she had trauma doesn't get triggered by the same things I do? So really great stuff. Take a listen and learn as much as you can. Dr. Marla Handy was very educated. She was very open with herself. She talked about her own uh, experience with PTSD and how that has helped pole vault her basically into her, the foundation of where her work is and how she's then been able to translate that out to us so that everyone can get benefit and help from it. She has a great book, The No Comfort Zone, Amazon.com. 
And I am Dr. Sophie at one eight five five Sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. Any caller gets a free copy of my book, Side by Side: The Mother Daughter Conflict Resolution Book. And I want to thank you for listening and calling in and sending your emails and your voicemails and your tweets and all those nice things. It's always nice to be accepted and loved. And our podcasts are always available on my website at www.drsophie.com. That's www.drsophie.com. And I am also reachable at one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven. I am there 24-7. Please give me your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, things you want to talk about. My book again, Side by Side, Mother-Daughter Conflict Resolution Book, all over the place, Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com. Take it, buy it, learn how to talk to your daughter. Follow me on Twitter or Facebook for any updates, and visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up, and don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey, you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head